0: Hello, world. This is Roger Corvell, and this is For the Hope. Here, we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Imagine asking this. Was not God's promise of salvation given to the people of Israel? And How can he remain true to that promise if it is now fulfilled in the church instead of Israel? That's a great question. Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we lean into God's story together to better live out our own life and work stories. And if if you've ever wondered how Israel then and now fits into all of this, you're not alone. The bad news is that I'm not really going to answer that for you today. And uh, people a lot smarter than me have been wrestling with that a long time. What I can say, though, and I'm sharing this uh, next thought from the new Bible commentary, Douglas Moo's entry there, is that the questions that Paul answers in chapters 9 through 11 of Romans is one of of answering those questions as he defends this thesis that it is not god's word that it failed and in our closing reflection segment today i'm going to share a a short little bit that summarizes paul's argument in chapter 9 because we'll keep coming back to that because chapters 9 to 11 is just kind of this weird little thing stuck in the middle of romans romans chapter 9 i speak the truth in christ i'm not lying my conscience testifies to me through the holy spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I could myself, that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ who is God over all, (laughs) praised forever. Amen. Now, it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. All right, my friends, I'm just going to read that again. That's That's an important line. Now, it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Neither is it the case that all of Abraham's children are his descendants. On the contrary, the Old Testament says, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. That is, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise are considered to be the offspring. For this is the statement of the promise when it says, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only that, but Rebecca conceived children through one man, our father Isaac. For though her sons had not been born yet or done anything good or bad so that God's purpose according to election might stand, not from works but from the one who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, I have loved Jacob but I hated Esau. What should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy and will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason so that I may display my power in you and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. You'll say to me, therefore, why then does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay? to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? On us, the ones he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As it also says in Hosea, I will call not my people, my people. And she who is unloved, beloved. And it will be in the place where they are told, You are not my people. There they will be called sons of the living God. But Isaiah cries out concerning Israel when he said, Though the number of Israelites is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on the earth. And just as Isaiah predicted when he said, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been made like Gomorrah. And that gets us up through verse 29. And again, I'm going to come back to that and just kind of summarize it. We just, we got to catch the big picture because Paul's a, dense, chewy thinker who, hard to understand. I'm sitting here reading it. I'm like, what? So, turning to our Old Testament segment, in our Old Testament segment today, we heard of the assassination of Gedaliah, which was the guy that the king of Babylon had placed in charge of, well, very loosely speaking, Israel, or this area called Mitzpah. And the murderous ishmael son of Nathaniah, who had done all this now has taken all the rest of Mitzpah captive and all this of course was an affront to god who had already revealed through jeremiah what his will was that they served the babylonians for a period of time so there you go picking up in jeremiah chapter 41 at verse 11 when Jehoanan son of Korea, and all the commanders of the armies with him heard of all the evil Ishmael, son of Nathaniah, had done, they took all their men and went to fight with Ishmael, son of Nathaniah. They found him by the great pool in Gibeon. When all the people held by Ishmael saw Johanan, son of Korea, and all the commanders of the army with him, they rejoiced. All the people whom Ishmael had taken captive from Mitzpah turned around and rejoined Johanan, son of Korea. But Ishmael son of Nathaniah, escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Amorites. Jehoanan, son of Korea, and all the commanders of the armies with him then took from Mitzpah all the remnant of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael son of Nathaniah, after Ishmael had killed Gedaliah son of Ahakam, men, soldiers, women, children, and court officials whom he brought back from Gibeon. They left, stopping in Gareth-Chimam, which is near Bethlehem, in order to make their way into Egypt, away from the Chaldeans. For they feared them because Ishmael son of Nathaniah had struck down Gedaliah son of Acham, whom the king of Babylon had appointed over the land. The people seek Jeremiah's counsel. Then all of the commanders of the armies, along with jo- jo- Johanan son of Korea, Jezaniah son of Hoshea. And all the people from the least to the greatest approached the prophet Jeremiah and said, May our petition come before you. Pray to the Lord your God on our behalf, on behalf of this entire remnant. For few of us remain out of the army, as you can see with your own eyes. And pray that the Lord your God will may tell us the way we should go and the thing we should do. So the prophet Jeremiah said to them, I have heard. I will now pray to the Lord your God concerning your words, and I will tell you every word that the Lord answers you. I will not withhold a word from you. And they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we don't act according to every word the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us we will certainly obey the Lord our God. At the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he summoned Johanan son of Korea and all the commanders of the armies who were with him and all the people from the least to the greatest. He said to them, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel to whom you sent me to bring your petition before him. If you will indeed stay in this land, then I will rebuild and not demolish you and I will plant and not uproot you, because I relent concerning the disaster I have brought on you. Don't be afraid of the king of Babylon whom you now fear. Don't be afraid of him. This is the Lord's declaration. Because I am with you to save you and to rescue you from him. I will grant you compassion, and he will have compassion on you and allow you to return to your own soil. But but if you say, we will not stay in this land in order, to dis, in order to disobey the Lord your God. And if you say, no, instead we'll go to the land of Egypt where we will not see war or hear the sound of the ram's horn or hunger for food and we'll live there. If that's what you say, then hear the word of the Lord, remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. If you are firmly resolved to go to Egypt and stay there for a while... Then the sword you fear will overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine you are worried about will follow on your heels there to Egypt, and you will die there. All who resolve to go to Egypt and stay there for a while will die by the sword, famine, and plague. They will have no survivor or fugitive from the disaster I will bring on them. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, Just as my anger and fury were poured out on Jerusalem's residents, so will my fury pour out on you if you go to Egypt. You will become an example for cursing, scorn, execration, and disgrace, and you will never see this place again. The Lord has spoken concerning you, remnant of Judah, saying, Don't go to Egypt. Know for certain that I have warned you today. You have gone astray at the cost of your lives because you are the ones who sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray to the Lord our God on our behalf, and if, as for all the Lord our God says, tell it to us and we'll act accordingly. For I have told you today, but you have not obeyed the Lord your God in everything he has sent me to tell you. Now therefore know for certain that by the sword, famine, and plague you will die in the place where you, were, where you desired to go to stay for a while. When Jeremiah had finished speaking to all the people all these words of the Lord their God, all these words the Lord their God had sent him to give to them, then Azariah son of Hosea, Johanan son of Korea, and all the other arrogant men responded to Jeremiah, you are speaking a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to stay there for a while. Rather, Baruch son of Neriah is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Chaldeans to put us to death or to deport us to Babylon. So Johanan, son of Korea, all the commanders of the armies and all the people failed to obey the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, Johanan, son of Korea, and all the commanders of the armies led away the whole remnant of Judah, those who had returned to stay in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been banished. They led away the men, women, children, kings, daughters, and everyone whom Nebuzaradan, captain of the guards, had allowed to remain with Gedaliah, son of Ahakam, son of Shaphan. They also led the prophet Jeremiah and Baruch, son of Neriah, away. They went to the land of Egypt because they did not obey the Lord. They went as far as Tappanese. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah at Tappanese. Pick up some large stones and set them in the mortar of the brick pavement that is at the opening of the Pharaoh's palace at Tappanese. Do this in sight of the Judean men and tell them, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, I will send for my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and I will place his throne on these stones that I have embedded, and he will pitch his pavilion over them. He will come and strike down the land of Egypt, those destined for death to death, those destined for captivity to captivity, and those destined for the sword to the sword. I will kindle the fires in the temple of the Egyptians' gods, and he will burn them and take them captive. He will clean the land of Egypt as a shepherd picks lice off his clothes, and he will leave there unscathed. He will smash the sacred pillars of the Sun Temple in the land of Egypt and burn the temples of the Egyptian gods. (laughs) And that gets us up through chapter 43. You know what I was thinking here as I was reading that? Because my brain does that sometimes. I was thinking about if we were in their shoes, how would we know what the prophet had spoken was true, right? Because the issue is here is one of trusting God, which they keep saying they'll do and then don't do kind of like me and you. How do we know what our pastor says is true? And this is going to be a short and completely inadequate answer, but I think because we are called to be in fellowship and to submit to leadership, we can trust that God will use even imperfect people that we submit to. Are you with me? Right? Doesn't say children obey your parents. When your parents make all the right decisions, doesn't say submit to your pastor and elders when they are perfect people who make all the right decisions. And, um, And I think about the Bereans who tested what Paul taught them by going and searching the scriptures on their own. So there you go. So now Jeremiah and some others have been now exiled to Egypt or they are all like took off to Egypt and took Jeremiah with them. And we will come back to that soap opera tomorrow. Got a shorty little psalm for you today for our wisdom segment. Psalm 47 for the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. For the Lord, the Most High, is awe-inspiring, a great king over all the earth. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. He chooses for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God ascends among shouts of joy the Lord with the sound of a ram's horn. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our King, sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom, for God is King of the whole earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the people have assembled with the people of the God of Abraham, for the leaders of the whole earth belong to the Lord. He is greatly exalted that is psalm 47 all right so for our reflection segment today this will be you just hang with me right so to me in one of the clearest explanations of romans chapter 9 that i've seen tim keller actually goes through and summarizes the whole chapter saying here's the question and here are the answers that paul gave Why doesn't all Israel believe when the message should be actually clearest to them? Well, and then it expresses Paul's anguish, like they don't get it, right? And lists out a whole bunch of privileges that Israel got, being the chosen ones and the descendants of Abraham and all that, right? So answer number one is, it's not because God's promises have failed. Not all racial Israel is the true Israel. And then he gave examples of Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau. Answer number two is it's not because God is unfair in granting his mercy. God only has mercy on some, and that's not inconsistent. Um, For example, Moses. And God sends judgment on some, and that is not inconsistent. For example, Pharaoh. Answer number three it's not because God is unfair in holding us accountable. Why does God blame us? Well, remember who you are. God has rights of ownership over us. And God could reject everybody, but he doesn't. And he even argues that the Old Testament predicted this. And then where we're going to pick up tomorrow, right? The last few verses of chapter nine says, but why, why all this? Why did? Why doesn't all Israel believe when it should have been clearest to them? Because Israel rejected the way of salvation by faith alone. The Gentiles who did not seek righteousness have obtained it. And the Jews who did seek righteousness haven't obtained it. Why? Because they pursued an impossible goal. Righteousness by works. They were scandalized. Their pride was offended by Christ and his salvation. And my friends, we we still do that today. Right, We want to lodge moral complaints against God. Oh, if God saves some but not others, isn't he unfair? Well, I think there's a more nuanced answer than how blunt Paul was right there. But for us to make a moral judgment against God, we have to put ourselves in place of God because he knows a whole lot of stuff that we don't. And uh, the question is, Are we going to trust that he's good and that he's fair? I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.